Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Jay Asser, editor for Health Leaders. In today's episode, I'm joined by Bobby Sapuka, CEO for Interwell Health, to talk about the kidney care management company's innovative ways to care for kidney disease, namely its value-based care initiative. Bobby, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to have you. So as I mentioned, Interwell Health uses a value-based care model. Can you tell me a little bit more about the model and how Interwell Health identified that as something they want to pursue? Yeah, sure thing. I, I think it's first helpful to kind of go back and understand why why we're doing what we're doing. Kidney care in this country has long been uh, in need of disruption. And what I mean by that is there are about 37 million Americans with kidney disease. Only 600,000 of those are actually on dialysis. So their kidneys have failed and they need regular dialysis to survive. All of the time, attention, focus, and effort in this country since the early 70s has been on that dialysis population with little or no attention paid to the 35 plus million Americans with kidney disease prior to kidney failure. So unfortunately, the way in which that that, that dichotomy has emerged, it has led to some pretty awful uh, health outcomes. As a patient transitions to a kidney failure, very often they don't know they have the disease. 90 plus percent of Americans living with kidney disease don't know they have it. So too often, the standard of care has been for a patient to show up at the emergency room uh, complaining of chest pains or blurred vision and to be told for the first time that not only do they have kidney disease, but their kidneys have actually failed and they have to go on dialysis that day and for the rest of their lives. Um, no surprise, this is a massive shock to the system physiologically, and the the inpatient dialysis start is a massive shock to the system. As a result, mortality is, is far, far, far too high. So the health outcomes you know, cascade downward from there. So there's long been a desire to move upstream to identify patients earlier and to engage in their care. That fundamentally is what Interwell Health is all about. So the way we do it is to try and touch the patient wherever they may need help, whether that's at home, in the physician office, in the dialysis clinic for those patients who are on dialysis, and everywhere in between. So if you start with that as the fundamental precept of designing um, the ideal value-based care model for kidney patients, what that requires then is a multimodal approach to engage patients. So you know, fundamentally, we believe that the physician has to be at the center point of that. We at Interwell have our own clinicians. We are, you know, north of 600 uh, employees. Our care team is more than half of that amount. We do engage directly with patients, with nurses, dietitians, and social workers. But we also exist to, to support the independent uh, practicing physician. So we have a large national network of over 1,700 physicians uh, across the country. These are nephrologists, kidney specialists uh, who dedicate their lives to working with kidney patients. Um, but we also make sure that we uh, have a tight relationship with over 2,600 dialysis clinics. So that's more than a third of the dialysis clinics across the country to, again, make sure that for our dialysis patients that we are in lockstep with their own care teams that these patients are seeing in the dialysis clinic three times a week. So, again, if you're in the clinic, in the office, at home, we have a mechanism and a means to, to support you. Um, that's led to some great success. Um, that I'm happy to dive into more, but you know, it, just sitting here today, um, we have reduced all-cause hospitalizations by uh, more than 20% when you compare it to the national average. Our home dialysis rate is greater than 85% of the national average, so and so on and so on. So again, for us, it's about supporting the, the patient, helping them engage them in their own care. And to do that, you have to be able to touch them where and when they need it most. 
And Interwell Health has pursued a couple partnerships that have been key to the efforts and been vital in different ways. I wonder if you could speak a little bit about that. I know the partnership, especially with Providence Health Plan, has been vital to the value-based care effort. Absolutely. If you think about the care model, that's one thing. And we've, you know, very incredibly proud of what we've been able to do for patients. Um, but the mechanism that we sort of insert ourselves in the healthcare system is to partner directly with health insurance plans, Medicare Advantage, commercial, managed Medicaid across all lines of business to effectively take the clinical and financial risk for their late stage uh, chronic kidney disease population, as well as the end stage kidney disease population, those actually on dialysis. So we'll contract directly with plans. Um, we've, you know, we're in 47 states, we're in Puerto Rico, we're nationwide. We'll contract directly with them and effectively offload all of their kidney patients onto our platform and start to ma manage their care and take full risk for their uh, financial outcomes as well as their clinical outcomes. And we do that by, again, partnering with those that large network of nephrologists by making sure that they have sort of the, the same economic interest in, as we do. So we share savings with the physicians so that by working together, if we're able to improve the health outcomes for our patients, as well as drive down costs, then we collectively share in that. It's, you know, the fundamental, again, following the fundamental precepts of value-based care. So the, the, the relationship with Providence is exactly like this. And, and the fun thing for me is there are different payers across the country all approaching the problem in slightly different ways, all with different needs for their own geographies and membership. Um, and so we're able to be very creative in how we contract with, with our plans, whether that's Providence or some of the national players. Uh, we can take you know absolute full risk in a subcapitated arrangement or do a shared savings arrangement. There's a bunch of different uh, ways we can contract, all to try and make this as easy as possible for payers to finally give their kidney membership uh, access to the to the merits and benefits of value-based care. And how about the partnership with Oak Street Health and what that's achieved in terms of expanding primary care? Absolutely, it's a massively exciting undertaking for us. Everything that we've talked about over the last couple of minutes has been what has ailed and plagued the kidney segment of American healthcare. This is kind of a sleepy little outpost of healthcare that a lot of people have overlooked, but it's um, it involves the some of the most complex patients in terms of their uh, clinical needs. These are chronically ill uh, patients who have multiple comorbidities. They are at the you know among the most expensive cohorts of the Medicare population. Just by way of example, uh, the Medicare population for for chronic kidney disease. Uh, consumes one in four, uh, is responsible for one in four Medicare dollars spent each year. The dialysis population is less than 1% of the Medicare population, but accounts for 7% of total costs. So again, incredibly expensive. For us, once a patient is in stage four, stage five chronic kidney disease, and that's a fancy way of saying they've progressed towards kidney failure and they're about 18 to 24 months away from kidney failure. Once you're in that stage, the kidney really is at center stage in terms of what's driving the poor outcomes for these patients. And so by working closely with the nephrologist, we think we can uh, drive you know, significant improvements in outcomes in terms of hospitalization reductions and so on. But there's so much more we can do, again, given that these patients are so uh, have so many comorbidities, if we're able to uh, work with primary care docs, if we're able to work with endocrinologists and other specialties. And so I think that is the future of where value-based care in this space needs to go. And so our, our collaboration with Oak Street to create this new joint venture called Oakwell 
for us is really sort of the next foray and and the future and vanguard of where kidney care is going to go. So we're going to start out small. We're going to you know, start in a few markets and bring Oak, Oak Street primary care docs into the dialysis clinic and have them round with our, our patients. And I think over time, the idea is to then go upstream so that we at Interwell and our nephrology partners can be kind of the kidney care extenders for the primary care uh, patients who are perhaps earlier stage in their in their progression of, of kidney care. So I think if you take a big step back, the advent of value-based care across you know, primary care and across all these specialties is unbelievably exciting. It's one of the most exciting things to happen in American healthcare in decades. But I think we all have an obligation that if we are not able uh, to figure out how to coordinate, uh, then we risk sort of reinforcing the siloization of healthcare. And that, of course, would you know be a massive opportunity uh, missed. So I think this this collaboration with Oak Street is a really exciting means of making sure that doesn't happen and really doing more for our patients. It's great to hear what InterWealth is doing with the value-based care model. I also want to have a more general, broader conversation about value-based care. And I guess I'll start by just asking, where do you kind of see the landscape right now for value-based care? You know, it's it's been around. It's not like value-based care is is anything new. But we keep on hearing that we're trying to get closer to full adoption, and, and that might be the way that the healthcare system has to completely shift to going forward in the future. Where do you see it right now, and, and where do you see it going, both in the short and long term? I'll talk about kidney care first, and we can kind of pull back from there. I think kidney care is still very much in the nascent stages of uh, moving towards value. Um, for the, you know, if we were talking, if we were having this conversation about three years ago, I would tell you that so many plans that we talked to were still laser focused on just reducing their dialysis rate, making sure that their fee for service uh, fee schedule is as low as possible. I think in the last three years, there's just been an amazing amount of education as to what plagues this population and what what it's going to take to do more in order to have more home dialysis, in order to help more patients you know, take care of themselves at home, which is associated with better health outcomes and a far better quality of life. You can't just focus on the dialysis population. You have to go upstream into chronic kidney disease, pre-dialysis, and engage them there. There's never been a code to pay for CKD management. There's been, never been a way to pay for it, which is part of the reason we're ending up in this um, in the system that we've got today. So the value-based care contracting model, you know, by pushing more financial accountability onto providers like Interwell and our affiliated physicians, allows us to do more for patients. So we're still very much in the early innings of this in kidney care. Uh, you know, if you maybe put a calendar on it, I'd say we're probably five to seven years behind primary care in terms of moving towards real fulsome risk. But we're, you know, the pace of change here is rapidly accelerating, and all those plans I talked about, who used to focus on dialysis rate, are now pushing Interwell and other, uh, and our, you know, providers into more fulsome risk, you know, subcapitated risk, which is terrific. We think that's the exact right thing to do. Um, I think if you pull back from there, you know, where do I think the rest of the landscape is? I can't speak for other specialties. I know it's probably different in different geographies and different specialties, but I think we are continuing to move towards uh, more value. And if you look at what CMMI and CMS are trying to do in terms of moving the the Medicare fee-for-service population to value-based arrangements, you can see sort of how fast it is moving. But again, I think the biggest challenge for us as a sort of as a society and a system is ensuring that we don't do these things independently 
kidney care is unique. And these, this patient population is incredibly different and requires specialized care. And it requires the kind of you know, nephrology network that we've put together and the, and the specific care managers who are focused on uh, the unique, unique aspects of kidney care. But if we do that in a vacuum and don't engage also the primary care physicians or the endocrinologists, then again, we've just reinforced the siloization of healthcare. So I think I mean, I, I joke around, but it's only half joking. I think one of the worst places in the world is being at a health plan and trying to make sense of all these different, you know, point solutions that they've signed up in the last several years. How do you make them all talk to each other? I think that's the next stage of where this needs to go in terms of uh, making this all work uh, more effectively and more efficiently. And you mentioned, at least in terms of kidney disease care, that there's a bit of a sweet spot in terms of the payment model. How can payers and providers meet in the middle and find a solution that still works for everyone? And even if that means not fully going onto the value-based care side or, or not being fully fee-for-service, but how, how do you find that sweet spot? What, what kind of approach or mindset does it take to get to that point right now? I think it's um, the mindset is actually a great way of framing it. It's being, um, it's working in collaboration and viewing this as a partnership. We are not at the point, nor do I ever, I can't imagine getting to a point in the in the in the near term, of walking into a health plan and saying, "Here's the off-the-shelf contract, sign here." This is a consultative arrangement. This is trying to understand what the specific population that this pl- health plan is serving, what are their challenges, how has the plan been managing this population, if it's been managing it at all. Um, for a lot of these plans, they're they've you know losing an awful lot of money, if you just want to look at the business side, an awful lot of money on their dialysis patients and on their kidney care patients. So for them, it's not about making a profit. It's about losing less money. Um, that's a really important distinction. And it, it informs the clinical model you're going to deploy. And certainly it involves the, the financial model that you're going to sign up with these plans. So for us, it's about understanding where the plans are. It's about understanding the unique characteristics of the geography that we're going to serve, um, the systems that are in place, um, you know, the healthcare systems that are caring for these patients. Because if you don't understand that at the outset, um, you're going to fail. What we're deploying in Puerto Rico today is far different than how we're addressing a Medicaid population in, in, in you know, greater Chicago. And it's far different than how we're deploy- talking about a commercial population, say, in California. So, you know, the cliche is that all healthcare is local. And it, it, the cliche exists because it's right. So um, I would you know, I would caution against a one-size-fits-all model. We've been around for a, an awful long time in terms of, you know, the constituent organizations that came to be part of Interwell. Um, we've cared for, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives over time. We've managed, you know, over $6 billion of spend currently. We know what we're doing. And as one of our uh, clinicians like to say, we've probably made all the mistakes that our competitors have yet to make. Um, it takes that kind of experience to be able to succeed in this. And I don't mean succeed just in terms of business success. I mean, in terms of delivering value to our payer partners, and most importantly, in terms of, about, in terms of delivering better health outcomes for our patients. So again, I think the mindset is the right way of framing it. And for us, it's just collaboration is at the top of that list. Great. And I wanted to switch gears a little bit and ask you, obviously right now is a very challenging time for hospitals, health systems, any healthcare organization in terms of financial stresses and pressures, especially coming out of the pandemic. Being at the helm of Interwell Health, what are some of the financial or operational challenges that you're experiencing right now? And what are some strategies that you're using to address them and maybe other executives can highlight right now? I think part of it is just change management. We have, I'll start with the 
through the lens of labor. There's an awful lot has been a lot of ink has been spilled and a lot of people have talked about the labor shortage in this that plagues American healthcare, particularly with respect to skilled nursing. For us, we have we are in the in the rather fortunate um, circumstance of approaching a very complex problem of kidney care in a very different way, and we have seen the benefit of of there's a lot of people out there who have practiced in um, in kidney care for a while who are looking for a different approach, and so they've been very excited at, at joining an organization like Interwell. So again, we've had the the good fortune of having an awful lot of candidates, um, incredibly impressive, high quality candidates uh, apply, but then you have to help them understand what this new clinical model is is like, how to um, engage patients differently, how to engage uh, physician practices differently, um, and that just requires you know an awful lot of change management. So as we, we we've again had the good fortune of an awful lot of growth, uh, we've signed um, you know fewer than six payer contracts in the last several months. As I said before, we just launched in Puerto Rico, so we're launching a, an awful lot of relationships across the country. Uh, and we're doing it fairly rapidly. So for us, it's basic operational blocking and tackling, uh, making sure we have the clinicians in place, making sure they're trained, staffed, and ready to go, making sure they understand the unique aspects, again, of their the geography and the patients that they're serving. Um, that's our laser focus because, um, it, you know, again, it begins and ends for us in terms of how you en- with how you engage the patients. If you do that right, if you transform engagement, then you can change patient behavior. And once you do that, then you've unlocked really uh, the ability to, to dramatically improve their lives and re- dramatically reduce their cost of care. I think they're always, this is healthcare, right? That healthcare costs are exploding. There's always going to be uh, financial pressures. I think an awful lot of plans are trying to figure out, as I said before, they're they're losing money on this population. How do they lose less? Uh, and the last thing they want to do is figure out, all right, how do I pay more to a provider? That's the beauty of what we're able to offer. By partnering with them, we can reduce their costs and we will just share in the savings as opposed to having them pay more off the top. So um, it's a it's a pretty heady time for us. But in a time of rapid expansion, it, re- it really requires discipline and making sure that you're um, replicating your model in a, uh, or you're expanding in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that allows you to replicate results uh, time after time and in geography after geography. And so far, so good. As I said before, we've we've seen hospitalizations, all-cause hospitalizations reduced by 20%. We've had optimal starts is a, is a real key metric for us. It's the way, it's, think of, uh, as I talked before about the patient who transitions into dialysis. If they start in an inpatient setting, you know, show up at that ER, it's called crashing into dialysis. That's as suboptimal as you get. And if you're able to start them in an outpatient setting, uh, that's called an optimal start. And our optimal start rate is 150 times, or excuse me, 150% uh, better than the national average. So again, that's um, that's what we're really focused on. And uh, so far, it's been great. Well, it's good to hear that that is working for you right now. And I, it'll be interesting to see through the rest of this year and even into next year, how hospitals, health systems are able to juggle these financial challenges. And uh, it's it's definitely an interesting time in healthcare overall, I'd say. No question. It is, uh, re- it's, it's challenging and it's rapidly changing. Um, the world looks so much different today than it did even, you know, 12 short months ago. And I have no doubt that 12 months from now, it's going to look uh, that much different as well. Definitely. We'll see how it goes then. That's all the time we have. Thank you, Bobby, for joining us. I appreciate your analysis, your insight. Appreciate you again joining us for this conversation. Thank you, Jay. Thanks again for having me. Of course. And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We will be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.